Welcome to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God. Pastor Larry Sterling, we invite you to join us in a service soon. We're located at 379 Avenue A, East Point, Florida. Our service times are 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. We pray that this week's message inspires you to shine the light of Christ to those around you. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to go through this entire chapter today. The Bible tells us, And you you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which God he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcised by what is called circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have now have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity with, that is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows in the holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit." Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord. Lord, as we see in this passage today that we who were far away from you, we were brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. You went searching for us and rescued us out of the darkness, out of the struggle, 
out of all that we have been facing in our lives, and you brought us near the throne of God. And Lord, I pray a blessing over this message today. May the power and the presence of God cover this moment right now that we may see deliverance and see freedom come into the house of God. And Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As we continue our series in Ephesians, going week by week, chapter by chapter, we, the purpose of this is to build off of where we started at the beginning of the summer. And as we looked into being, understanding who you are in Christ as a warrior for Jesus, as understanding what our place is in this world and many things that we deal with and the strife and the struggles that we deal with in life. And I want you to recognize back, if you would just open on your Bible, on your lap there, I want you to see, if you look back in chapter 1 last week, we talked about this starting in verse 17, 117, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. This is what Paul's prayer is for you today, right now. That your eyes be opened up, that you can understand the greatness of his power and might towards you, that you would, th- these things be revealed. The reality is in life is that Paul goes on. This is his introduction in chapter 1. As we get to chapter 2, he tells us who we were. If you read in verse 1, the Bible says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. What this means is that the, the reason why the world struggles with Christianity is that they're dead to it. You can't understand something that you, that you have no possibility of being alive. Let, let me give you a better example here. Go down, to the, go down to the graveyard and open up your Bible and begin to read. And then it would be foolish to get mad at those that are buried in the, in the graveyard, in the cemetery. It would be foolish to get mad at them for not understanding, would it not? To stand there and begin to read over those tombstones and then come back with a test and, and, and talk to that student. This is silly, but you understand what I'm talking about. Hand them a test and said, and then you get mad at them because you missed all the questions. And somebody out there is going to try to check you into a mental hospital. Why? Because they're going to look at you and say, don't you realize they're dead? They have no life in them. They're, they're with the Lord right now. They're not going to answer your questions. They're not going to set you up. They're not going to help you out in any way. They're not going to know the way which is right and wrong. They don't have any conception of that. They don't have any idea of that because they're dead. Paul says you, without Jesus, are dead. And so what we, what we, we can't, I can try to explain to you. I can try to open up the Bible and explain the word of God to you. I can go through all these passages, but I want to tell you that there is no way any of you this morning are going to be within your own minds, your own spirit, understand one single word in this book. None of you can, myself included. We cannot in our ability because you can't teach a dead person anything. They're dead. 
So how do we learn? How do we understand? It's by the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God that drew you. It's the Spirit of God that calls you. It's the Spirit of God that opens up your mind. It's the Spirit of God that convicts you and draws you into the household of faith. It's the Spirit of God which is is your only hope. If He's not speaking to you, if He's not opening up your mind, if He isn't revealing this to you, it will not work. The Spirit of God is our only hope. The Holy Spirit And the Bible says you were dead in trespasses and sins and in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. This is, he's being, he's given a blanket uh, description here. He's saying everybody out there serves Satan. Every out, everybody out there serves the devil. They're walking according to the prince and the power of the air, which is the devil. They're walking according to what he is doing. He has blinded them. They, have, they, they think they are wise, but they are foolish. They think they have it all together, and they think they have understanding. But because the, the devil is a good deceiver, they are completely and totally blind to the reality of their sinfulness and their state of life, and there is no hope, and there is no escape and they will die and they will go to hell that is what the word of God says but he says you were once led by these things all of us were not one of us were excluded from this we were all walking down this path we were all serving the powers of hell we were all doing these things and then verse 3 goes on among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath just as the others by our very nature this is why when somebody tells me you know I I'm just doing this because it feels right. Well, feeling is going to get you in trouble. Because just because it feels right doesn't mean it is right. Because there is beyond feeling, our feelings can betray you. The Bible says even our hearts can be made wicked and our hearts can lead us astray. And when someone says, just follow your heart, that's, the what, that's what God wants for you. Actually, no. He wants you to follow his spirit. And if your heart is after his spirit, then yes, you can follow your heart. But if you're going to go after your heart and your flesh and your desires and your ideas and your plans for your personal life, I want to tell you, your life will literally be one struggle after another struggle after one pain after another pain the devil will give you just enough peace and just enough happiness to keep you addicted to his sin and he'll give you just enough so that you keep coming back to him and back to him and so it seems right and it seems smart and it seems wise and it seems like this is the way to go and it keeps you addicted and pulled in and when you look at other people and you say well that why are they not following this way why are they not living this way and the reality is is that they have been set free as Ephesians 1 their eyes have been opened their minds have been revealed and God has shown them and revealed to him revealed to them the reality of their hopelessness and where they are in this world but God but the answer doesn't stop there but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love which he loved us you see God the Bible says wants to give you the desires of your heart and God 
wants to give you where you are. He wants to give you everything when God that, that is, is going to bless you and help you. God wants to give you abundantly above all that you ask or think. God wants to give you life. Why? Because he is your creator. Your life, you have ideas, you have thoughts, you have passion, you have things that God that has created you has put inside of you. And the enemy's trying to steal those things and try to thwart those things and utilize them for his power and authority. But God wants you to be alive in him. God, who is rich in mercy, has great love for you. And looking at your deadness and looking at where you are, you are you've been influenced by Satan. You've been controlled by your lust. And we are all under God's wrath. But yet God still loves us and gave himself for us. Look in verse 11. If you go down even further. The Bible says that you were once Gentiles who were called uncircumcision, what is called circumcision, made in the flesh by hand. Simply seeing, simply meaning this. This circumcision was the covenant of the Jewish uh, believers and a Jewish people in Abraham. And that it was an outward sign that they were part of the covenant of God in the Old Testament. So what Paul was saying is basically without this at one point you were pagans without God. Verse 12 tells us in that when one time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Meaning simply that we are separated from Christ. We were once dead in sin influenced by Satan. Controlled by our lust. Under God's wrath. Pagans without God. Separate from Christ, and latter in verse 12 basically says, having no hope without God in the world. All of this is our state. And now, verse 4 tells us, but God loves us. Now, let me tell you something, it, and it's a love that we don't deserve, and it's a love that we didn't earn. And it's a love that you cannot manufacture. And it's a love that you, that you cannot make people love you anymore. You cannot make God love you any more than he already does. He loves you in the midst of all these things. And it is his love that is going to liberate you. Look at verse 5. Even when you were dead, when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. You are not saved today because you woke up and thought that you were going to serve Jesus. You're not saved today because you come up with this great plan of how you're going to live right. You're, going, you're saved today by grace in Jesus Christ. It is by grace you have been saved. He liberated us, verse 6 tells us, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. What is it that has happened? He literally lifted us up out of darkness. He literally literally unchained us. He literally saw us. We were serving his enemy. We were serving the Satan, satanic realm. We were serving and living this way. And yet God looked at you and said, I love you. Let me break the bondage of the yoke of destruction off of your life. And then he picked you up out of darkness and he set you down over here and he's told you to be free and to live for him and to walk away from all the things of this world. That's love. Many of us love, love those that are lovable, but hardly any of us love the unlovable. And God loves the unlovable. 
He loved us. He liberated us. He lifted us up. He called us out. Why did he do it though? Look at verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Why did God save us? Why did God call us out of this darkness? Why did God unchain us? Because he's going to say, look at my power. They were all dead. Every single one of them were dead. There's no one that was going to be alive. There's no one that had any hope. And yet I made them all alive. I called them all out of pain. Every one of their sins I forgave. Every one of their despair I washed over. All of their depression I took upon their my back. Everything that they would have ever done I have now bore it on my own back and I'm going to be a display for the world, for the age ages to come what God's power is able to do amen praise God that this is room this is why Paul tells us that you may understand his power towards you that he is powerful he is a there, there are people that you write off and you say there is no way there is no how there is no escape for them there is nothing that they're going to be able to do there's no way they're going to get out of out of hell and, and all the things that they're bound in and God says that somebody say it's impossible because all things are possible with me that somebody write you off and say there's no hope for you well God his steps into the realm and the hopeless be have hope today those that are bound have freedom today because God is bigger and greater than the one that is holding your bondage in this room the hope that you have this morning is not because you're good and it's not because you're strong it's because he loves the hope that you have in anything in your life is not because we're somehow we're able to take care of us it's because God loves you and has great love for you. Look at verse 8. Look at this. The Bible says, For by grace you have been saved. Now, it says here, through faith. Now, literally means by means of faith. So, so what, what, what God is telling us is that you have been saved by means of your faith. But it's the gift of God so that no one would boast. It's the gift of God. So, the, right now, I am speaking to you through a microphone. People that are going to get the CD are going to get irritated because they're not going to hear me for a second. But... By means of power, electricity. If I shut it off, you can't hear me in the back unless I really project. By, by speaking, I'm using electricity to communicate my message to you. And the, the, the electricity isn't what is going to stir your heart. The electricity isn't going to change you. The electricity isn't going to transform you. It's just the device we use to get you the message. You hear me? Your faith isn't going to be the thing that saves you. It's going to be the device you use to get saved. It's going to come in your faith reaching out to the Lord. Is God 
God is going to do the one that's going to be saving you. God is the one that's going to be healing you. God is the one that's going to set you free. God is the one that's going to lift you up. God is the one that's going to do those things. But he only does it by means of your faith. He has set a requirement over you that if you want him to deliver you, you got to trust him and believe in him. He's just not going to come in and, and grab a hold of you and deliver you and with, with you kicking and screaming and not believing in him. By means of faith simply means, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You cannot boast that you, were, you saved yourself. It isn't because you tried to clean yourself up. It's not because you tried to get all the sin out of your life and all the world out of your life. It's because you said, I believe in Jesus Christ and I live in Jesus Christ and I express myself in Jesus Christ. And the Lord looks down from heaven and says, there is somebody that is a candidate for deliverance. And I want to tell you, this all happens in a second, in a moment. The moment that you turn to the Lord and express your faith in him, instantly God walks into your situation and walks into your place and pulls you out and lifts you up and sets you free in that moment of time. It's just a little bit of faith and all you got to do is express it to God and he shall deliver you from wherever you are. Praise God. My deliverance in life, my deliverance in my trials, my deliverance in where I am is, is by means of my faith, but it's by God doing the work. I'm not doing it. I didn't go to the cross. I didn't, I didn't die. I didn't rise again. God did. Jesus did. We believe and have faith in the one that is purchased for us, has done all these things for us. Verse 13, the Bible tells us, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. It is by grace you've been saved and you've been brought near by his blood. Meaning that his sacrifice is what allowed you to come to home, come home. It's not because of any other thing but the sacrifice of Jesus Christ has called you out of this, has washed you, has cleaned you, has set you free. By grace you have been saved through his precious blood. The blood of Jesus still has power today. The blood of Jesus still can wash this moment. He can wash your lives. He can wash your family. He can deliver you. He can come over any situation. You just have to believe in him. You've got to turn it over to him. You've got to trust Jesus and allow him to do the work. And what happens is the Holy Spirit is over here. Let's say we have somebody right now coming down to the altar and they want to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So the Holy Spirit, first of all, when they want to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, he's been the one that's pulling them. He's been the one that's calling them. He's been the one that's revealing himself to this individual. When they get to the altar, now the Holy Spirit has done his job. Now we wait for one breath of a moment. Now we wait. Will they turn and believe? And the moment that they turn and believe, then the blood of Jesus falls from heaven. 
And you don't see it in the flesh. You don't see it with your eyes. But what is now taking place is a bath in the precious blood of your Savior. And what went down here, the Spirit of God that drew you and called you, the Holy Spirit that loves you and loves your life, that Jesus comes in and begins to wash you and clean you and lift you out. And when you stand up, there's a glow in your soul. There's a glow about your life. You are no longer the same person. You've been changed. You've been transformed. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Even though outwardly you look the same, inwardly God has changed you. Praise God. This is the this is the destiny of those that love the Lord, that are called according to his works. You see, this is why we can't get up and start bragging about how great a Christians we are. We need to get up and brag about how big our God is and brag how, how we were lost and how we were undone and how we had no hope and how much sin was in our life. And we're not bragging at our sin. We're bragging at our God, that our God loved us so much that even though we did those horrific things, he called us. He, he, he bled for us. He died for us. And he delivered us. Even though we were part of the other team, of the other enemy, we were called out of darkness. We need to start, we need to start look, bragging on God again. If you start bragging on yourself, you're going to be in danger of legalism. Let me tell you, the life I live now, I, Paul tells us in Galatians 2, you live by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If, if, I mean, Galatians 2.20. We live by faith. We've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives within us. And we are living by faith on a regular basis. We are reaching out. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six tells us, without faith, you cannot, you cannot be in a realm of God. You can't, I can't explain to you the passage of the scripture in an intelligent way. Why? Because Paul tells us that you're not saved by the enticing words of man's wisdom. You're not saved because a preacher got up and preached a powerful message that stirred your heart and you came to the Lord. You're saved because the Holy Ghost came into your life and talked to you. You see, let me put it like this. If you're here this morning, the Holy Ghost brought you into this room right now. Whether you've been serving Him 30 years or 5 minutes or yeah, I'm not serving Him at all. Holy Ghost brought you here this moment to hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You didn't, when you woke up this morning, when you, when you got lifted Think about when you got saved. It wasn't that God put him, it wasn't that you decided that you were going to get saved. It was that God put upon your soul that you weren't right, that something's not right in your life. And you started looking and God began to show you what you could be and what you could do. And you start looking at, at all these things. It's God that gave you breath in your body today. It's God that keeps you in your right mind so you don't lose your mind. It's God that keeps you out of the street and out of the gutter. It's God that has been walking beside you. It's been God whose mercies has kept you from utter despair and utter destruction even though you were far away from him. He has prevented your failure and prevented your life from dying and going to hell by his mercy. It's not that you're getting away with it. It's that God has been merciful to you to this moment. Mm. God has loved you and you are here today all of us because God 
So mercy has brought us here. Now, lastly this morning, what are we now? Now that we, we, we were once dead, we've been made alive. By means of our faith, we are living. But what is our state now? What are we now? Look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let me tell you, first of all, number one, you are a product of the grace of God. Oh, I am a product of the grace of God. You are a product of the grace of God. You are the prime product. You are the reason that he came. You're the reason that he lived. You're the reason that he died. You're the prime product. You know what a byproduct is of his? You know, not the prime, but the byproduct of that is our living in love, joy, peace, long-suffering, this fruit of the Spirit. All these things are the byproducts of salvation as a result of you being saved. You see, when we get the byproducts as the prime product, then we turn into legalists. You're like, what? When we get so caught up in the things of Christianity that we forget that the reason that he came isn't so that we would love more, it's that we would have a relationship with him. Those things come, but because they're oriented in a relationship with him. And so when we, when we start looking to him, the author and finisher of our faith, I say that all the time because the reality is, is that without Christ, we are nothing. We are products of grace. The task that you have been given in your life is God's workmanship. The one version calls this, you are a masterpiece in God. Meaning clearly that where it says here, for we are his workmanship, meaning we are his masterpiece. Meaning that God has looked at you and you are distorted, and you are broken, and you are marred, and you are undone, and there's no hope. And then God comes in and begins to touch you and mold you and make you until you become a glowing work of art in the courtroom of God where God holds you up and say, look what they were and look what they are now. Isn't my love great? Isn't my power wonderful? Look what I can do with those that believe upon me. We are the products of grace. Man, God is so awesome that he even looks throughout time. The Bible says, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I want to tell you right now, and you, and some of you may not believe this, and if you won't believe it, well, you're not going to get it. But if you believe this, this is very important. God has placed seeds planted in your personal life for your future. He has placed powerful things in your life that you can that some some of you will never receive because you won't believe but he has planted things in front of you so that when you get to a moment in life in Greek, these moments are called kairos moments. They're moments when heaven meets the earth and the glory of God is just covering your life and you are in a moment. I heard one preacher call it like this, heaven kissed earth and you're in the middle of the smack. 
The rea- th- those are these moments of time that God has these, these seeds that he's planted for you within your life. And you are walking in and on a destiny, on a path that he has placed before you. That you should be some a glorious splendor in the kingdom of God. And these things are prepared before you. But you've got to walk a life of faith in order to receive them. Let me give you an example. Listen, I, I'm not trying to disparage any state. But when you get off the interstate on some states, there's a whole lot of nothing. You know what I'm talking about? Driving to Mississippi the back way felt like through Farmer Brown's backyard, really. Because there's not an interstate that takes me to Starkville. Which there was, but there's not. And when you're driving up that way, especially if you're coming through the Apalachicola Forest, man, there's a lot of nothing, but it's still pretty. That's another story. But you're coming up through there, and if you're hungry, you may think, you may really believe that Florida doesn't have any restaurants. There's nothing here. There's a hole going up 65, cutting over to the floor. There's nothing here. Florida must not have a restaurant in the whole place, the whole state. No restaurants at all. But if you get on the right road, we have restaurants coming out our ears. You see, what the problem is, is people judge life and judge their lives based upon their personal observations on the road that they're on. And God says, you're on the wrong road. You want my destiny? You want my blessing? You want my power? You want these things? Then get off the road going through the forest. Then get on the road that's going to take you where you want to go. And so we we follow God through these, these blessings in verse 10. Now moving quickly here. Then we are, so what are we now? Not only are we products of grace, we are partners with Israel. Verse 14 tells us this. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one, has broken down the middle wall of separation. God has made us partners with these people. We have been reconciled by Christ. The barrier has been destroyed between Jew and Gentile, and we're all one in Christ Jesus. The result is that in verses 15 through 18 explains to us that we are into one body, one person. This is why we should love the people of Israel and pray that God would reveal his word to them because these are the people that God has gone after. Verse 19 tells us this. Therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. I want to tell you, as a result of grace, as a result of the blood of Jesus, you are now the people of God. You are now the people of God. You are now someone that God loves and God cares and God, God, God lifts up. You are someone that is part of, his, part of his household. You are the people of God because God has rescued us. God has called us away from all the things that pulled us down. And then lastly this morning, sister, if you go ahead and come to the piano. Look at verse 20. 
The Bible says, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for the dwelling place of God in the spirit. Do you realize that you today are part of the temple of God? Right now. You see, what what is significant about this? In the Old Testament, the temple is where the presence of God, the Shekinah glory of the Lord, would rest in. And this temple would be there. And if people wanted to come to God, they had to go to the temple. If they wanted to spend time with the Lord, they got to go, they had to spend time in the temple. And they loved the temple. They had festivals to go to the temple that drove them to the temple. There was nothing inherently salvific about the festivals. Nothing in these Passovers and things didn't save them. But it was in the presence of God is what saved them. And so when, when they, but God sometimes puts things in our lives that drive us to his presence. To get us into his presence. Well, see, that was the Old Testament. The New Testament is this is that you are the temple of God right now. And if we get two or three of y'all in the room right now, this moment, if I get two or three of you, Jesus is with us right now. We got way more than that. But if two or three come to church, Jesus shows up. Maybe you might not have a piano or have music. When you start singing your song and clap stamping your foot, heaven begins to move begins to show up. It begins to be part of your service and be part of your atmosphere. This is why it's important that we continue to gather together because we are one day, we are the example of what God is trying to do. You being a pillar, you being part of the temple of God, meaning not literally that you're going to be literally transformed into a post that holds up the temple, but that you are walking and where you go the presence of God goes that where you live the presence of God lives the where you are the Holy Spirit is actively moving you need to walk into your house when you go home and declare the presence of God over your home over your family over your life and begin to exercise the faith that God has put with inside of you to begin to cover yourself because you are a pillar in the temple of God. I mean, I'm trying to communicate to you the significance of who you are in Christ. You know, God didn't do this by accident. He did this purposely for you so that wherever you are, no matter what may happen, God is looking at you and he loves you and cares for you and has great things in store for you. And when and someone comes against you, when the enemy wants to seek and kill and destroy your life, God says, that's one of my pillars, devil. Get out of there. It begins to put a hedge of protection, the Bible says, around you. I want you to hear me this morning before we leave. God... God has transformed you. God has done miraculous things for you. And one day, you're going to see the completion of that. But we got to walk by faith and not by sight. Everything hinges on whether or not 
You believe. Do you believe him this morning? Do you believe everything this Bible says? Do you believe what the word of God has spoken to you today? This is the word of God for you that right now. God loves you. But also God will not force himself on you until you reach out to him. Will you stand with me in this room? And let us pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand together in this room. Lord, our faith needs to be activated. And Lord, there, Lord, this is just the beginner. This is the elementary stuff, as Hebrews tells us. But it's the beginning. And Lord, I pray that right now, we would get a glimpse of where you are and what you want for us. Mm. The Holy Spirit keeps speaking to me. Many of you live in an atmosphere of hope, which sounds like a good thing, but hope without faith is not going to get you anywhere. You got to have faith mixed with hope. You see, you may hope that everything your preacher said to you this morning is true, but you, faith says, I know that God is going to do what the Word of God says in this Word. Faith exercises. Faith walks. Faith does something. Faith participates. Hope is hope. It is not the expression of faith. It is different from faith. And so this morning... When, you, when I'm telling you to reach out by faith, what I'm saying is you've got to make an expression and to tell the Lord, I believe in the Word of God. I believe. And so I'm going to do these things. Faith without works, the Bible says in the book of James, is dead. There are hope. I'm telling you right now, you have great reason to hope because there's wondrous things in front of you. But without faith, you will not see any of them. Because faith is by means that grace is in your life. Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God and Pastor Larry Sterling. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.